Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bart Winkler Morning Show here, 105.7 FM. The fan, Bart with the day off. He'll be back with us tomorrow morning, 6 to 10. Still to come today, you'll hear from Radio Joe Zanzola filling in for Bill Michaels. Bill with the day off. Then the Wendy's Big Show with the day off as well. Rami Makhlouf makes his return. He'll be talking with my guy Jared Greenberg at 245 inside the bubble NBA on TNT. And Greenberg had the report yesterday. Giannis tried to go back into that game in the third quarter. The team obviously shut that idea down. And uh, I, for one, am glad that the team, Coach Budenholzer, John Horst, whoever made the decision is thinking long-term rather than short-term, as I had Derrick Rose nightmares, Kevin Durant nightmares, and then Grant Hill going back into a game with a sprained ankle, and then his career just never being the same. So for Giannis, 262 million reasons why he did not go back into that game yesterday. 414-799-1250 if you guys want to pop on. we got a commercial-free hour that begins now. You could tweet at the show at 1057FM, the fan. Find me on Twitter at Ryan Horvat, Sam Schmitz. And then our next guy, Rick Camp, Rick C. Camp. You could find him on Twitter, 670 The Score, does some producing over there, covers the NBA. Rick, thanks for popping on and saving me. I got an hour with no commercials. What's up, bud? That's that's a hell of a thing. At the end, it's one thing to have to do as much solo as you're doing, but to then throw on the spicy meatball of a commercial free hour on the back end of that is a feat. I feel and like it's a rock NBA, block, I, thought, I, I thought you wanted to talk about uh, Jake Kumaro. Your man's getting cut. You know what? I actually just did 20 minutes on Kumaro. Um, <laughs> and we had Ryan Wood on who covers the Packers for PackersNews.com. And I was like, what was the biggest surprise? You know, and usually cut down day, there's some big surprises. And the biggest surprise that he had for me was he was surprised that Jake Kumaro from Whitewater, Wisconsin was cut. So not a huge day to talk Packers football. So I uh, luckily have gotten away with three hours of NBA talk. Nice. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. So you watched that game yesterday. What are your thoughts uh, as far as the Bucks? Now, it's a 3-1 series. Chris Middleton scores 21 points in the third quarter yesterday, but he had to play over 40 minutes. Brooke Lopez, at his age, had to play over 40 minutes. Do you think the Bucks have a legit shot to make this a series, or does Miami wrap it up tomorrow? Uh, I, I lean towards Miami wrapping it up tomorrow, because especially if we're working under the assumption that Giannis is going to be gimpy at best if he's even on the on the floor. Uh, I just don't see it because you know you get the you get the initial bump right when okay your guy the initiator of everything is out. So then yeah you get that initial bump of everybody focuses in a little bit more because it's just human nature of okay when when I know I have that guy out there I have a little bit more wiggle room. But when you realize you have more wiggle room, it's just human nature to lock in a little bit more. But I was impressed with how the Bucks were able to uh, to obviously get the one win and extend the series. But the thing is, Eric Spolster has shown throughout this series and really throughout his entire coaching tenure 
He's really good with adjustments. Yep. So now that he's going to have a little bit on tape of what this Bucks offense is without Giannis, they're going to make some adjustments, assuming Giannis doesn't play. And I just think with as small of a margin as the Bucks have to even get any sort of wins, I just think this turns into a gentleman's sweep. And I'm glad that you brought up adjustments because Eric Spolstra, I just got done raving about him. I like him, Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse. They make adjustments. The one knock on Coach Bud, great regular season coach. Again, the Bucks for the second year in a row, best regular season record. But come playoff time, doesn't make any adjustments. Way too stubborn. For some reason, has an obsession with Pat Connaughton. Like, we finally got rid of his obsession with Urson, and now it's just carried over to Pat Connaughton, who gets way too many minutes. 12 minutes yesterday was way too many. It felt like an eternity he was on the floor. What are your thoughts on Coach Bud as a coach, you know, as an outside observer? I mean, you're a Bulls fan, so you know a thing or two about terrible coaching for what you've dealt with uh, the last couple of years. Boy, you're not lying. <laughs> uh, so, so I think Bud is like the perfect, you know, they always talk about A to B coaches. Yep. Like Kenny Atkinson has been labeled that right now. I don't think he's necessarily an A to B coach because when he took over Atlanta and when he took over Milwaukee, it's not like they were down in the dumps terrible. He's more like a B to C coach. He gets you from the edges of respectability to being really good. Like, regardless of how the series ends up, the Bucks have been really, really good. However, there's that next level, that C to D coach, and I just don't know that he's able to be that right now. I think of it like when we're all playing video games, especially like like sports video, like we're playing Madden, yeah. and you have it on a skill level that's probably too easy, but and all you're doing is running the same like five or six plays that work because you know they work. Yep. But then when you have to move up a skill level, you know, for either whatever for whatever reason, you just try and just run those same five and six plays again but they don't work as well, and now you don't know what to do because you haven't delved deeper into your playbook to be able to find other things that work. That seems like it's what Bud does. Like, I understand, first year especially, focusing a vast majority on just getting that system set so that you have that baseline. But once you feel like you have that set and you're dominating, you have to experiment a little bit so that way guys know okay, it's not just we're going to switch this possession. It's okay if I'm Eric Bledsoe, I know that when we're switching, when the screen is set a certain way, Middleton's going to react this way, mm-hmm. or Lopez is going to react this way, so I need to adjust accordingly. It's those little intricacies that we don't necessarily see that these players know about each other on these teams that have experimented with this that the Bucks just don't know because they haven't tried these things. Like, if I was Bud, and let's say if you're playing the Bulls on a given night, you know that in the playoffs there's going to be a lot of times where you have one guy who's trying to take over. So then you try and run a couple different things against essentially a crappier version of what you could see in the playoffs so you can still get the win in the game. Do that against the Bulls and Zach Levine. Do that against whoever else, Dante Graham and Charlotte, something like that. There's so many times in a regular season where you should have the ability and the latitude to experiment. If you lose one extra game, but figure something out that may help you down the road, either in a more critical regular season game or in a playoff game, that has to be worth it. And you can have your principles, but still be willing to adjust off of them as well. Yeah. 
Completely agree. And that's why, let's say the Bucks lose this series and Miami wraps it up. I mean, you had the best record in the league twice. And last year you had that epic collapse against Toronto where you lose four straight. And then this year, I mean, my, my thing is it's title or bust. If you have the best record in the NBA and you come back year two, like I know you could say like nobody finds instant success. Like, you know, LeBron had to leave Cleveland. KD had to leave OKC. Jordan had to get beat up by the Pistons until they were finally, you know, too old to beat Jordan anymore and he had to get Pippen. But like... For example, if, if if Bud if they don't get out of the second round and Miami wins this series, I think of examples of guys that just couldn't get it done. Good regular season coaches that then were replaced. Like Dwayne Casey's a perfect example because he was coach of the year and then Nick Nurse takes over and wins a title. Or you could, you know, make the Doug Collins, Phil Jackson comparison, although that was years ago and Phil Jackson was on the bench as an assistant. I don't think Darvin Ham's ready to step in for Budenholzer. But if the Bucks fail to get out of the second round, do you think you make that switch, or you bring Bud back for year three with Giannis, and he gets one more run? Like, what happens if you lose in the second round as the best team in the league? The thing that I think the Bucks have to be wary of is change for change's sake. If there's someone out there that they view to definitely be a team or a coach that can win a title, then you consider it. Right. Like, like if if Ty Lue was still available and they viewed, they said, hey, Ty Lue's won a title before. He's really good with his players. They make adjustments, all that. And they, and they viewed that as the way to go. Okay, then I could see that. But getting rid of Budenholzer to bring in a first-time head coach or someone that's got a much sketchier resume as a head coach, that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. So, it really depends on who's available. The interesting one that, mind you, it seems like he's already got some ties to other jobs that'll be open is sure seems like Dan Tony's going to be gone from Houston, regardless of what they do. It just seems like he's going to be gone. So I'd be fascinated to know, yeah, maybe he's looking at Indiana right now or maybe New Orleans or something like that. But if Milwaukee comes available, does he view that as the optimal situation? And do the Bucks see him as an upgrade as a guy who can win a title even though he hasn't won a title? Yeah. So it really depends on who they think, but who they think could be an improvement out there because right now I don't know who that guy is. You know, Kenny Atkins is a name that people know. Yeah. But he's already getting the label of being an A to B coach. I think that might be a little bit unfair, but I don't know if he's a guy you can say, Hey, we're gonna get rid of this guy who's won sixty plus games a couple times for someone that has a label of a developmental coach for a team that's older. So I just don't know who the name would be out there that would get that done. And I don't want to see any texts or hear about any texts. Uh, Mark Jackson, get that out of here. Get him just off of this planet. I mean that in the nicest way possible. As an analyst and as a coach, I just can't stand listening to Mark Jackson. You know, and then the other name that pops up all over the place is Jason Kidd, and obviously he's not coming back to Milwaukee, but is there a no. job out there that Jason Kidd isn't interested in? It's always Jason Kidd interested in this job. I would rather hear that Jason Kidd, there's a job out there that he doesn't want. I don't think he ever gets, I hope, I pray to God he never gets a head coaching gig. But are there any, like, I mean, because obviously, you know, you're a Bulls fan and you cover the team, so you're looking for a new head coach as well. I I really like Kenny the Jet Smith. I think one day he's going to be a great head coach. I don't know if he's ever going to leave the broadcast booth, but I just love listening to him break down the game, and I think he'd be a great coach. I really do. I think he's a tremendous leader. But are there any names like that we don't know about? Because if I'm hiring a head coach, 
I'm not going after a Dan Tony or another coach Bud. I'm looking for the next Nick Nurse or Eric Spolstra, a guy that maybe grew up in the film room. You you know what I mean? And like he's a big X's and O's guy, but he's not a former player or a huge name. Is there anybody out there like that though? Like the next Nick Nurse? Well, there's one actually on Miami's bench that I know the Bulls are kicking the tires on, uh, named Dan Craig. Mm-hmm. So he started out like Spolstra in the video room. Then he was he mentioned the organization he wanted to coach. So he went down to the G League, coached the coached Miami's G League team for a year. They went like forty and ten, won the title, and then he immediately got brought up to being on the bench. So that's a guy that's got development experience that seems to have a really good reputation. So if they were to go the first co- uh, first time coach route, that's a guy. Another guy that's not getting as much pub, but has some of the best people vouching for him is David Vanderpool. He's the lead assistant in Minnesota right now, but he spent a vast majority of his career before that in Portland. Dame and CJ McCollum swear by him. Mm-hmm. So that's someone that's, that would be pretty interesting. And defensively, he'd bring in probably a similar scheme to what Bud does, not as extreme of, of a version of a, the drop scheme. But, you know, that's probably all you need. You don't necessarily need a whole new X's and O's system defensively. You just need it to be not as rigid right. as the way it's been. So those are a couple guys. I'm just trying to, like, rifle through everybody that's on the Bulls list right now uh, that most people are thinking of. You know, there's guys like Ime Udoka who have a really good reputation out of Philly. Mm-hmm. But if you're for what you were describing, Dan Craig almost fits, at, you know, checks every single box of what you were thinking – but he's a guy that hasn't gotten a whole lot of interviews to this point. Right. So it would definitely be an out-of-left-field hire. Yeah, and that's the thing is you wonder, I mean, Giannis, Chris Middleton, these are veteran-type players who just had the best record in the NBA two straight years. So if their season ends, you know, are they going to want some guy that has no head coaching experience? Most likely not. The other thing I keep talking about is if the Bucks failed to get it done in the second round, and even if Giannis doesn't play, I mean, that's not really an excuse because you were down 0-3 with Giannis on the floor. And right. he was struggling. So what would you do with this roster now? Because everybody keeps floating out this Chris Paul idea. You know, in, at the trade deadline, is Chris Paul going to stay with OKC? Should the Bucks make a move? But would you bring back this core, Bledsoe, Middleton, and Giannis for year three if they were unable to get it done and hope, hey, you know, it took Kobe a while to win. Kobe and Shaq, or it took Jordan, you know, a couple years uh, to, to win his first title. Or would you try to make some changes as far as your core? I mean, Middleton's not going anywhere. He just paid him. But what about Eric Bledsoe? And, you know, you look at some of these pieces. These guys are older. Brooke Lopez, Kyle Korver. What would you do? That's the thing is I feel like they're kind of stuck yeah. at this moment because Brooke Lopez is so scheme dependent because he can't really move his feet that well. Not and laterally, give him right. All, but yeah, exactly. Like, give him all the credit in the world for maximizing himself within this scheme. You know, there was the big Eric name piece, obviously, where he was detailing, you know, all the intricacies of uh, the drop scheme that they're playing. But I don't know how much value he has outside of there. Eric Bledsoe, that would probably be the guy that you try and move. But Can you move him, though? Does that... at this point? Yeah, like, where where is a fit for Eric Bledsoe? Great perimeter defender, but, like, yesterday's a great example, man. You're the biggest, you're the strongest guard probably on the floor, and instead of going to the cup, drawing fouls, using your aggressiveness, he's, he's shooting threes. He, like, why? I don't know. That's the thing is, 
if he was more trustworthy, right. A, they probably would be in a better spot and not want to trade him anyway, but right. B, he would have higher value, a higher trade value then. And the other thing is, like, I have yesterday's box score in front of me. I'm just looking at the bench, too, and it's like, George Hill, solid. You can trust him. Yep. Cool. We're fine there. Like, for what Marvin Williams is, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, he's there, but you're looking at your your draft picks that just have not pan, have not panned out so far in the playoffs. Yep. Connaughton, disaster, even Chenzo. All right, if you really want to trust him that much, cool. And then a guy like that I know we talk about all the time on our when we text each other, DJ Wilson is a guy that we think has some promise, but he doesn't get on the floor. And then you have super old guys like Ilyasova and Korver that don't really serve a purpose. So I just think that this is, it's really lining up for, you wonder how Giannis or his people are going to look at this team over the offseason. Because I have, I do not think at all, unless something very odd happens, that Giannis would go to management and say, I want out. That just doesn't seem like him. However, if the, you know, depending on what happens in the middle of next season, if the Bucks just if he doesn't sign the Supermax and if the Bucks don't feel like they're going to be able to sign him next offseason, I would not be as floored if he was moved closer to next deadline, whatever the hell that is. Right. I'm glad that you brought up the young players because that's what I've been talking about the last couple of weeks is the drafts have just killed you because DJ Wilson can't get any run. And yesterday, I don't know what Coach Bud did. He had DJ get up off the bench, and then he sent him back. I, I have no idea what the hell that was. And then Sterling Brown, another guy who can't find the floor. You know, you've experimented with that, but when he, when he has the basketball in his hands, it's a disaster. Decent defender. But you didn't hit on any of these young picks. Then you look at what Toronto does with Nick Nurse. In these late draft picks, man, I'm talking these G League players, too, with their G League system. Like, is that – I don't understand how they do it, but Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, all these guys, they build and they hit on these late picks, but also, like, with their G League system. Like, why can't every team do that? Or, or you know, why isn't everybody spending more time, I guess, developing their own players? Do you do you understand and, this whatsoever? Yeah, well, it's, it's so true because – it also gives them buffer right. to miss on picks. Like that's the thing is you could, everybody laughed at the time when uh, Toronto, and this was obviously before they broke out the last couple of years that they took Bruno Caboclo in the first round, mm-hmm. the guy that, that everybody remembers Fran uh, for show on the draft broadcast saying he was two years away from being two years away. Well, he never got there in Toronto, but the thing is because they were able to bring in guys, like, you know, bringing in Lowry for a song, being able to develop guys like Fred Van Bleet, Terrence Davis, two guards that are rotation-level guys that were undrafted. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like Matt Thomas can give them a guy, that's a guy that basically fills their quarter role. Yep. And he gives them a couple minutes, and I forget if he was like a late draft pick or if he was another undrafted guy. But I really don't think, and I think this is changing now, that teams are realizing they have to utilize every avenue they have, not just for to find stars. Right, not that's just what I'm to saying, find man. Pascal Siakam, find guys that can fill out the back end of your rotation cheaply so that way you can go more stars and scrubs in terms of 
um, in terms of salaries, yep. so that way you can have more high-level players and then just be able to, all you're doing is trying to find a guy that for the duration of the rookie contract, whatever that is, two, three, four years, depending on the player, that can fill a role for you and give you some time to find the next guy and still be able to have all the salary flexibility to have one, two, or God forbid, even three max guys. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm saying because it used to be like the NBA draft after the lottery, you know, come second round especially, I would never watch because I'd be like, these guys are never going to play. But then you see like what Nick Nurse does with these guys, like a Matt Thomas, he gives them all specific roles. So they actually feel like they're part of the team. And then I brought up the G League. You know, they're developing these guys for certain roles. And if they don't work out in your system, you could trade them for more pieces. And that's what I'm saying. Like you have to hit on these later picks. And that's why I look at programs like Villanova and like, you know, anybody that's played for Jay Wright, I want them on my team. Because I just feel like in the later rounds, you have to hit because there's guys that could fill certain roles. You're obviously not looking for the next superstar in round two, but you could get a steal every once in a while. Siakam, Malcolm Brogdon, there's plenty of options out there. Uh, Rick- well, I mean, look at Miami, too. That's part of right. that's part of the genius of Miami. Like, There's been how many think pieces written about Duncan Robinson this year and his ascension, yep. because all Miami, because every other organization looked at Duncan Robinson and said, he's slow, he can't do anything defensively, but Miami saw him and said, this guy is tall, and he can be an elite shooter, and we can get him you know, respectable enough at the other stuff while making sure we maximize his one great skill. And look at how that's worked for him, how that helps their offense. I mean, the, the two-man game between him and Adebayo is one of the most effective two-man games in the entire, be- in the entire game all season. Yeah. I mean, you look at same with a guy like Kendrick Nunn, a guy like Derek Jones Jr., who kind of bounced around a little bit, that nobody could find out exactly what his role could be. And then, you know, along the Duncan Robinson plan, now Tyler Hero was a first-round pick, but just kind of doing something similar but giving him a little bit more latitude to work with the ball. And you have yourself a really solid rotation that they're able to go through without really having high picks. And they're just so deep now at this point on days where you know Jimmy Butler only had 17 yesterday, he didn't shoot well. Mm-hmm. He was six of 15, so they're still able to be solid enough where they had six guys in double figures. Yeah, they didn't end up winning the game, but still, the fact that it was that close. Yeah, Giannis didn't play, but looking at that Heat team, them and Toronto are two of the gold standards when it comes to development. And you know, watching how the Bulls are trying to do what they're doing. They haven't gotten anybody from those organizations yet, but those are two organizations that the Bulls targeted when looking for people within their front office, either on the development side mm-hmm. or also just on the leadership side. So I think more organizations are realizing need to kind of fill out that organization with a good amount of people to work on that development. And because there's no salary cap on, on front office hires, there's no salary cap on coaches in your G League or development coaches. So it's about good organizations being willing to spend the money where they feel like they can get an edge and how that affects the roster. It's so much more than just the salary cap that we see for the actual players. Well, and the scariest thing about Miami is they're going to have money to bring in another superstar to pair with Jimmy Butler and all these guys, too. And, like, I love Tyler Hero, where if he continues to develop, I think he could be an all-star. I thought he was going to be a spot-up shooter, play a little bit of defense. I know he could create, but he might end up being an all-star. And they, who, who do you think 
Now, uh, I'll let you go because we've been doing this for a half hour. But really quick, who do you think if Miami's able to bring in another superstar? Because that's what I'm having nightmares about to pair with Jimmy Butler. A, do you think that's possible? And B, like, who would be a name that would fit in that system to give us nightmares well, the name, for the next decade? The names, the names you hear most often are obviously Giannis because that's the main reason that they've been keeping flexibility as much as they have. Yep. Uh, I don't know how that fit would be with him and Bam because that's three guys you would have on the floor that can't really shoot the three. I'd hate the spacing, right, yeah. Yeah, the spacing would be really wonky. I don't know how that would work. The other name that's been connected to them is Victor Oladipo. So that's one that probably doesn't scare you as much, but that's the name that's been thrown out there because of just his mentality kind of fits Miami and then just – it's just been out there as a guy that they're interested in. So I think some of the 21 free agency class is a little overrated because it's, you know, throwing Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard's names in there. Yeah. And unless something really weird happens, which let's be honest, between now and 21 free agency, plenty more weird stuff is going to happen. Oh yeah. In basketball, out of basketball, it's all going to happen. But uh, those guys are more than likely staying in LA. So that weakens that class considerably. So, and there's a few other examples of that. But Oladipo and Giannis are the two names that have been brought up most when it comes to Miami. So I, in a sick way, I almost want to see the Miami thing happen for Giannis just because I want to see how they would mess with the spacing and how they would make that work. But the thing is, too, and I've said this the entire time, is I love the fact that there's one of the best players in the league in a market like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. and I think it is good for the league to at least have some of their stars in smaller markets and it, you know bring more viability and watchability to some of these teams. So yeah. I, even though for the Bulls, kind of whatever, the Bulls aren't competing anytime soon anyway. Well, hey, you make so it AD heard, if the Lakers fail, man. He's got that player option. Anthony Davis might oh, come back come home. Come on. <laughs> Hey, really quick, yeah. Really quick before I let you go, give me a finals prediction because I'm going back and forth on the Clippers and the Lakers. The reason I'm picking the Lakers, probably the dumbest reason ever. I just don't see LeBron not winning a title the year that Space Jam is released. That's my hot take. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding either. Uh, Clippers have the I'm... best bench I've ever seen. They can all create their own shot. I think Kawhi's the best player on the planet, but I'm picking LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah, I've been on the Clippers all year. Uh, I mean, if I change, you know, if my thought process has changed, I don't care about sticking with predictions if, if there's evidence to the contrary. And I just, there's so much wiggle room for the Clippers to be weird and still win a title. Mm-hmm. And I think they're kind of showing that with like what happened in game two and whatever. But I still think it's going to be the Clippers. The team out of the East, man, I was, I was, I, I was set on the Celtics before game three mm-hmm. of that series. But I just don't I just don't know if I trust their big man rotation enough to just give them a little. Well, I don't think and Brad Stevens trusts it because he didn't even have a backup center up until game one. They didn't know who they were going to go with. Yeah. I hmm, I think I'm going to go with Toronto. I hate betting against Toronto right now. I mean, Nick Nurse, you brought it up, man. He just makes adjustment after adjustment. Hell, the other night, that final play, he got it from watching the best of Hubie Brown, VHS tape or whatever he was watching. Like, he just continues to make adjustments, man. I just don't know how much I trust them down the stretch. Like, is Kyle Lowry going to get his BS foul calls? Is Fred Van Bleek going to be consistent enough to keep hitting those shots? And 
And Siakam, man, like, he just has not been near as good since those first couple months of the season. And they absolutely need him to be damn near elite to win a title. Yeah. So I, I get but I think he does have a little more wiggle room in terms of getting out of it. So as of now, I'm going Clippers over Raptors, which would be very good for me because I have futures on both. There you go. Well, I hope the Bucks make a little history and sneak into the finals. But we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Rick, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Take care, buddy. You can find his work at 670 The Score. Rick C. Camp on Twitter has a basketball podcast as well. Uh, Talk some Bulls, but we'll forgive him for that because the Bulls are not very good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.